You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello. Good morning, Willie. Hey, how are you on? I'm doing great. Uh, Willie, I actually was uh, winging it here and going through the sections of your menu uh, explaining that uh, you had created a restaurant uh, virtually uh, and not quite from scratch we'll say because you had a location uh, already uh, designated uh, but that you put together a menu and and so Willie before we get into what it takes to um, put together a restaurant and in this case a restaurant far uh, from your home base of New York City. Um, let's talk about. Let's go back to young young Jack uh, because a lot of our guests have uh, early fond memories, or at least some sort of aha moment when they uh, sort of uh, awaken to the fact that this was something they really enjoyed, whether they knew this was something they were going to do in the future or not. Uh, what was that uh, point in time for you, Willie? When did you start becoming aware that uh, food and food preparation and hospitality and all those things that you uh, you do professionally now, when when, when were you, uh, you first aware of how this is something you might want to do? Well, I was young. I was like 17, 18, finding my way in life, you know, street smart, so doing different jobs, trying different things very entrepreneurial but yet always working for somebody else who was an entrepreneur seeing how they ran their business seeing what they were doing but yet I always realized when I was on the job site as one of the workers I was one of the most passionate workers I took great pride in the other people's business and I was surpassing everyone else and I didn't make friends well working on jobs doing that it made people very envious. It made them jealous of you. Most people look to show up for work and just get paid their day's pay. I look to maximize my day, do it smarter, wiser, better. I didn't ask the owner. I just did it, you know, and I didn't limit myself. And then I would tell the owner, listen, I can get two of these things done in a day. Maybe you can pay me more money. Then I started managing the other guys, setting them up. And then I kept telling my father, and like, wow, you know, I'm running this thing now so quick. And my father would laugh. And then I always wanted to do my own thing, so I was buying and selling cars. Then I started bartending. I always liked to cook with my dad. When he retired from his first job and he had cancer, he would take me shopping. And we would go all over to different markets and meet guys and people. And my father was a big personality. Taught me to tip and throw people a couple of bucks here. Where's he getting the veal cutlets? Who's making the meatloaf then? Where's he get his pork chops? Who's got the best bakery for bread? So I interact a lot and I develop great social skills from watching my dad. So then I started bartending and then I took this bar and I started redoing it. And the man was an older ex-alcoholic and he didn't care and he was run down and his energy was out of it. And I fixed his tap beer, and I changed the music in the jukebox. I put a doorman on, and I rebuilt his. I fixed his grill and fryer and started selling food only the nights I worked. So, again, I was always trying to maximize my time, make as much money, and do as much as possible, even while I was working for someone else. Were you... And, and I, 
No, no. I was going to say you actually even started before then. Your 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 sort of your entrepreneurial style it actually began when you were uh, selling lemonade, right? Well, you know, I had the lemonade, had the newspaper routes. Then the newspaper routes. I said, let me shovel your snow. So I developed a newspaper route. In the winter, I did their shoveling the snow. In the spring and fall, I did cleanups on their property. So again, I was there. I had the customer base. Let me maximize my customer. I was always hungry. We didn't have much. We came from, I call it a lower middle class family. But what we had was we were tight family, four boys, my mother tough Irish, my father working two jobs. So I wouldn't want to change a thing. But I always wanted more. Yeah, well. And I always, you know, go ahead, No, 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 go ahead. I I, I was just uh, wanting to chime in, uh, but I'm going to hold that thought because it's probably going to be a pleasant thought for you to share with us. But go ahead, finish that. You know, and I, I, I deal with youth and I deal with people today, and everybody puts obstacles in front of themselves. And they set themselves up for failure. They're already scared. They're already building walls around themselves why they shouldn't and what ifs and maybe so's. Meanwhile, I'm already wrecking those walls. I'm already expanding. And that's the difference in the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur has a vision. He could forecast. He understands things are not going to always go right, but that's not going to stop him. So when you're younger, you have to try different things to find what you're good at. And then you see what you enjoy. And then you see what you're excelling at. And then you see what your value is. So then I realized, okay, I'm a Virgo. Um, I got OCD. I like things clean and organized. I got great personality. Everywhere I go, people like me. I'm funny. I got character. Then I started bartending. I always had the cooking background. So I always had a way I like to do things, and it's called Willie's World, Willie's Way. And I didn't have a problem telling people what I want and how I wanted it done. And if you're going to work for me, this is how it is. So I had this vision to open my own place. And then I hired a lot of my friends, guys I knew here and there, bartenders, cooks. Then when it came to work for me, you know, I could be your friend. I could be that guy. I'm cool, whatever. But when you come work for me and you show up late, and you don't care, and you think we're buddies, and you're going to get away with it. I didn't have a problem being a disciplinarian and saying, listen, this is a job. I just invested this money in this business. I need you to show up on time. You're not here doing me a favor. You understand me? I did you a favor. I provided you with an opportunity. I'm the one on the line here. My reputation, my money, all my family and friends I borrowed to open up. So enough with your nonsense. And right away, I had to fire a lot of my friends because they got mad at me. They thought it was just going to be, oh, we can do whatever we want. This is Willie. No, I run a business. So you realize right there that, okay, you understand the difference. You can draw the line. A lot of people can't draw the line in being an entrepreneur to running a business. A lot of people can't tell people what to do. They can't read their team. They can't maximize. They're a little scared to hurt feelings or to drive people and push them. But I always say you're paying them. You got to get the most out of the people you're paying to maximize your business. 
So like a lemon, if you're going to squeeze the lemon, get as much juice out of the lemon as possible. Don't waste any of the juice. And then teach your people that they should be rewarded by caring and working harder and upside and raises and, you know, motivate them. So when you find your way by trials and tribulations, you start seeing what you're good at and it slowly takes you on your path. And that's why I started young and early and a lot of kids today go to college and they're coming out of college, 22 years old, and they have no social skills, didn't experience much, so they had this education and they went away. But what was their interaction? You know, I was hustling at 10 years old, running newspaper routes, shoveling snow, spring cleanups. Then I segued into automobiles and cars. You know, I kept moving to what was, now I build houses, I do real estate, I'm in the restaurant business, consulting, designing, business guru, you know, and I, I love it. You gotta like it. Well, you know, uh, a lot of uh, schools uh, attempt to teach entrepreneurialism, but I think there's a big part of that that is instinctive, and that's the instinct that you had because not only did you figure out uh, where to apply your entrepreneurial skills, but a, a, a big skill, as you pointed out, was having the grit. You know, having the grit to uh, make the move and the grit to. Uh, staying on top of the business and doing things, as you say, uh, Willie's way. And I want you to tell us a little bit about uh, your late grand, your late uh, great uncle uh, Jack, who was your godfather, and and why you honored him uh, by naming uh, your restaurant to Uncle Jack's. Yeah. So my uncle Jack was a six foot two, big, strong Irish guy big personality was the hiring boss of the Longshoremen's Union. So that's when the Westies ran, you know, Hell's Kitchen and they were controlling the docks and the piers. So he was like an old school Irish gangster, right? But he was the boss. He was in charge. He put people to work. And I remember at a young age, him talking about and how he was admired because he put people to work. He helped people feed their families. He was extremely well-respected for that. He cared about his community, the Irish people, making sure they were happy, making sure they were doing their job, getting things done, what was going on in the piers. So when we were growing up, all of us, we didn't have too much. He had a nice house in Jersey. He had like a multi-level. He had a pool table. He had a built-in pool. He had a couple little dogs running around. And we would go visit my Uncle Jack. And, you know, the house, everybody be going crazy. But the minute Jack walked in the door to that house, everybody checked himself. Willie, hold that thought. I want you to talk a little bit more about Uncle Jack because it sounds like he was really inspirational to you. We're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Willie Daigle to talk more about what it takes to start and run a restaurant empire right after this break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, 
and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Willie Daigle, a restaurateur who has succeeded in the very competitive marketplace of New York City and uh, its boroughs and who has brought uh, his particular flavor of meat house, of steakhouse, um, but it's called Uncle Jack's Meat House, uh, down to Duluth, Georgia. And we've been talking to Willie about a lot of different sources of inspiration and where he got his sense of entrepreneurialism. And before the break, he was talking about his great Uncle Jack, after whom he has uh, named uh, the restaurant uh, or multiple restaurants. So, Willie, tell us more about Uncle Jack and why he was such a source of inspiration. So again, Jack, when he walked in the house, everybody checked himself because Jack was the king of his home. So I never forget that when I was young. And Jack died when I was young, and he was my godfather. And my mother always said, he was, she had two brothers, she had sisters. She always said, you reminded me of my brother Jack, and that's why I made you his, he, him your godfather. And she said, Yo, your, your face, your characters, and then as you're growing as a person... I see so much of him in you from the bloodline, you know, and my mother being tough Irish. So you always remember that. And I always remembered Jack put my father to work, and that's how he met my mother. So I always respected the boss, the man who, who helped people feed their families. So that was very important to me, and I always remember he was this tough man, but he had a heart of gold, you know. You know, so it, people, if you... Yeah, people could do no wrong to have someone like a, a figure like Uncle Jack in their lives to, uh, I don't, give in a sense, give you a goal. You know, uh, you know, I hope and I really wish that uh, all the people I touch and I meet, now I've turned 50, even though I feel like I'm always five years old because I'm challenging myself like a young kid every day, I hope and I pray that everyone around me and who touches me or knows me or sees me and shows, I hope I can electrify them, I can spark whatever spirit they have, I can find what they're good at, like 
as an employer, that's what I always look to do with my employees. But as a motivator and speaker, as a TV star, that was my objective when I went on the Food Network as well, was to help people simplify and understand what it takes to run the restaurant business. Now, so when I... Yeah, uh, no, no, let me let you finish that. I, I, You need to take a breath, Willie, now and then so I could uh, ask you uh, any any number yeah. of good questions. I, well, I'm hoping they're good, but I've got a lot of questions to ask you. So, uh, no, no problem, Ronnie. Just chime in because, you know, I'm detailed, and and I, I really are in tune with what took me to where I am today, okay. you know, and it's the trials and tribulations, and... You know, it looks easy from the outside to people, and they see your success, and they say, "Wow, you're so lucky." That, wow. That's that's right, Willie. You know? the The thing is, we're going to have you share uh, more of those details, and one of them is, when did you come up um, with the concept of a? Uh, a, a a meat house of a uh, steak uh, restaurant. Uh, you could have, you know, you could have opened up uh, an Irish pub, but you chose to make it a uh, steakhouse. And uh, when did that happen? And wh- when did that concept uh, get expanded on uh, virtually on steroids, so that you have uh, a lot of different meats? What 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 uh, what led to um, becoming a steakhouse? Well, growing up in the Irish-German family, we had meat and potatoes every night. That's what we ate. So we had all different cuts of meat, from roast and steaks and cutlets, everything. So I loved it. I liked belly food. I like a great hearty meal. I love eating dinner at a family with a table and talking about our day. So that was a part of it. So and then I loved entertaining I love talking. So when I was naturally progressing in the business and I opened up a bar and it had a dance floor and club and I was cooking, then my next level of culinary talents, I was developing hands-on by working with cooks, short-order style cooks in my first place. I kept gravitating towards more higher-end food, more higher quality. So that's how I developed the Uncle Jack's Steakhouse, the original, in Bayside, Queens. Right. Well, tell us why. Uh, what? Why did that restaurant uh, develop in Bayside, Queens? And uh, walk us through the the early stages. Was there or, there were already some people that you had in mind that you wanted to pull together in your uh, initial staff? And uh, just tell us a little yeah. bit about because people yeah. are really fascinated with those very first steps when you're actually going to open up any kind of business. Yeah. So I was a partner with my brother in my first place in Main Street, Flushing, where we grew up. And me and my brother, we're frickin' frack. We're different people. Come from the same mother, but we're different people. So he liked things his way, I liked things my way. So we weren't the best partners because the place wasn't consistent. Because when I was in the building, it was run one way. Then when my brother was in the building, it was run his way. So I had a problem with that, and it always bothered me. So we would fight a lot, and I would say, this was my idea, this was my concept, I'm trying to run the business this way, and then you come and work your nights and you want to change it to make it about you, when I'm trying to make it about the brand. And you're confusing the customers. 
and we fought a lot. So then I did some research, and I was looking in Bayside, Queens, more upscale area than Flushing, more money, well affluent houses, and the area was, it was in dire straits because they had a lot of bars in this area, and they had a problem, and there was a shooting, there was too much drinking and crazy, so they shut it down, they put a moratorium on the liquor licenses in the places, so you couldn't get a liquor license. So what I did is I came up here, and I like to take a negative and make it a positive because I got balls and vision, and I said, let's me take this one old bar that was run down, and the guy owned it and bought it for his son back in the heyday when they were printing money, just selling booze. And I spoke to my friend who was the liquor authority lawyer, and I said, I want to take this thing. I want to put a kitchen in there. I want to make an upscale, small, high-end steakhouse. I've been cooking a lot in my first place, Hollywood and cocktails, and I had this idea, and I wanted to make it like a speakeasy dedicated to the prohibition of my Uncle Jack's era in the early 1900s where they had a place called Jack's in Columbus Circle with my grandfather. So my liquor lawyer liked the idea. He said, if you're going to do food and you're going to go your way and make it more club-style atmosphere, I think I can get you the license. Yo, I said, I'll make it 24 and older. I'll make it proper attire. I'm not going to run one of these type bars. I'm going to put a real cool eatery up there. So the liquor authority wanted the menu, wanted the layout, wanted the vision and business plan. I went there, I sold it to them, and then I was able to start building my vision, the Uncle Jack's brand, the first, the original steakhouse, and that's what I did, and I said, you know what, I'll start off small, I'll have a nice bar, because I had a great bar clientele, always follow me, I made 32-seat dining room, I catered to everybody, I let them try the food, I threw a lot of big parties, opening events, and from there, it started snowballing. Did, did you uh, have any uh, a, a circle of uh, advisors, or did you have instincts about, you know, what the place was going to look like, the number of seats you were going to have, what was going to be yeah. on the menu? Yeah. Right away, I was able to visualize the walkthrough. The minute I look at a location, I could visualize exactly what I'm going to build, what it's going to look like, how it's going to operate, how many asses are going to be in seats. Then I compiled the menu, the concept, the drinks, then how much money I could do a day, how much my rent is. I always want to make sure I could pay my rent in one day versus in sales. So I always say to everybody, if you're going to go do a store and your rent is 10000 can you do 10000 in one day? If you could do 10000 in one day, forget how much it costs you to do the ten. but if you could do your sales, your rent sales in one day, You'll always build a successful restaurant, a successful business, and you'll always make money. And, and you ran it so well that you actually developed a reputation as the New York State doctor, and you had uh, local sports stars, celebrities, politicians. I mean, you were like a really bona fide uh, hotspot in, in New York, weren't you? Yeah. In Bayside, Queens, the amount of people that would come in Queens, if you were in Queens and you were in that you know, other level of people, all the politicians, when they wanted to get voted for, they had to come up and they had to come to Bayside and they had to eat Uncle Jack's and the press and the exposure, all the stars and celebrities. If you were anybody in Queens, 
If you were hustling, you were making money, you were closing deals, you were doing things, you wanted to come see Willie. Because I ran his store from every morning, every night. I only had one key. I didn't let anyone open or close. I was so insecure, I wanted to touch every guest and blow them away and make them a building block for my success in growing my business. So I looked to turn every guest into a walking mouthpiece selling my brand and winning their trust and understanding that Willie's here, I'm committed, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to satisfy you and make you happy. If we make a mistake, we make it right. We don't make excuses. Well, Willie, I happen to have firsthand experience, uh, and you've turned me into a, a walking billboard. Uh, I've, I've literally told a few people about my uh, recent experience at Uncle Jack's Steakhouse or Meat House in Duluth. And we're going to uh, take a break, but when we come back, I, I first want you to tell us a little bit about how you came up with the steak sandwich uh, shop and the uh, Uncle Jack's uh, Shack Organic Eatery. Uh, We'll be taking a couple of minutes, and we'll be back with Willie Deggle to be talking about his restaurant empire right after this break. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. It's that time of year again. If you suffer from itchy eyes, sneezing, a constant runny nose, sinus headaches, or an increase in asthma symptoms, and you're tired of using allergy medicine, maybe it's time to stop putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Peachtree ENT Center believes in treating the problem instead of masking the symptom. We are pleased to offer an innovative alternative that can free you from this routine. Sublingual immunotherapy is a safe, easy, and effective way to treat allergies to food and environmental allergens for you and your family. Imagine placing drops under your tongue to treat allergies. No shots, no office visits with time off from work, and freedom from needing daily allergy medication. Just think, next year, you can actually enjoy being outdoors. About an hour of your time is all it takes to change the quality of your life. Remember, Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Willie Daigle, a restaurateur who is highly successful in the New York area with his Uncle Jack's uh, Meat House concept, and he's brought that concept uh, to the state of Georgia in Duluth, Georgia, as a matter of fact, and we're going to be talking about that in a bit. But uh, before the break, I said uh, to Willie, Willie, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your sandwich shop concept um, and your because who doesn't like a good sandwich? But I would imagine a, a company that's focuses on on meats uh, would have a really uh, tasty sandwich shop and also the Uncle Jack's Shack Organic Eatery and then Willie tell us about how you 
decided to leapfrog all the way to Georgia. But first, tell us about that steak shop, uh, the sandwich shop, and the uh, the organic eatery. So the steak sandwich shop, we had an item. I always did a great burger here besides steak, and then I always did this great shaved like French dip. We took the whole New York strip, garlic, herbs, salt, pepper, crusted with three salts, oven roasted it, shaved it super thin on a slicer, dip it on jus, put it on a crusty garlic butter like club roll, you know, Italian bread, dug the dough out, had a nice jus to finish it in. So then he had the steak sandwich with a little mozzarella, a little sauteed onions. So these sandwiches were very popular at lunchtime. Younger kids loved them. So then I said, let me spin that off and do a steak sandwich shop. Then when it came to the meat, you know, Jack Shack, I live in Glenheim, Long Island. I'm a father. I got kids. I was looking for something that was fresh, high-quality food in a fast, casual environment. And everywhere I went, the food was pre-made, pre-gale, bought in tubs, containers. You didn't know where the food, it was mystery meat. So the buying power of Uncle Jack's and all my culinary experience, I developed a menu for the Jack Shack for you to come. And I wanted people to come three to four times a week and have great food, fresh, made in front of them, personalized. So it's an open kitchen format. You got burgers, sandwiches. I call them taqueritos. It's a taco, but we roll it up like a burrito. We have salads, pressed juices, smoothies, all different custom-made iced teas and lemonades made with from scratch. Everything's fresh, high-quality ingredients, all natural and organic and locally fed, directly sourced. And you educate yourself and you find where we got the product from. So that's one thing and what type of oil we're putting it in. So, you know, you want to evolve your brands. You're getting into different things. You're challenging yourself. You're seeing what people are going. You're staying in tune. So you have the old school, traditional, classic steakhouse. Then you have the sandwiches. Then you had the shack. And then I said, you know what? I want to go out and I want to open a really cool American bar and grill that we could do really great service. More comfortable atmosphere, but make it funky, make it like an old meat factory warehouse that I put a cool restaurant in it, and then take it and do this menu. And I wanted it to look like, I wanted to say, wow, I want to come here and have a bunch of cool appetizers. I could come hang out with a bunch of my girlfriends or, or guy friends with groups and just drink and party and have a big food experience and have all small plates. Or you could come and just have a great steak or have a burger sandwich. So I looked at that, too, because I saw the shack, how many people would go to the shack, you know, every day in their life because the food made them feel good. So I said, man, if I could do this with the meat house, the American Bar and Grill, I could feed families, business people. I could open the doors to everyone, price it right. Again, make it very foodie, get talented chefs who love what they do, work hand in hand with them. And that's what we did in Duluth, Georgia. Well, and we're open a year now, and we're serving 1,000, 1,200 customers a week, and it's growing and growing, and people are coming from all over. Well, you know, most uh, restaurateurs that had um, an establishment or two or three in New York City, if you're going to uh, go further afield, you might go to Philadelphia or you might go to Boston, but you came all the way down to Duluth, Georgia. How did that happen? 
Well, I go with what I know. I don't go to Philly much. I went to Boston a few times. Love it. I would love to do a restaurant up there. But you know what? I'm a you know being a Virgo. You know you you become a creature of habit a little bit. You know you like what you like. And I was going to Georgia. I had friends, a business partner lived down there. Then I was building a house in the manor in Alpharetta to sell it. And I would visit a lot. Then my sister-in-law and brother-in-law moved to Johns Creek. Then a couple of my wife's uncles moved to Johns Creek. Then a couple of my friends moved to Duluth that I grew up with in Queens. So a lot of people were moving to Georgia. I was coming and visiting Georgia a lot. Then while I was filming on TV, a lot of brokers and real estate developers were calling me and asking me to come look at these locations in Buckhead, in downtown Atlanta, in the new Avalon, and say, hey, we want you here, we want you here. And when I looked at them all, there were bigger locations, there, it was bigger, higher rents, so it scared me a little bit because I didn't have a base of a workforce. So I said, oh my God, how am I going to come here and do this? I don't know anyone. I don't have any workers. I got to build my Willie Army. I'm particular. People who are going to work with me. So what happened, my buddy we had invested in this restaurant in Duluth. They were going belly up, losing the money. I spoke to the landlord. It had some guts in it. I said, you know, it's out here. I like Duluth. I did some research. I said, you know, they don't have anything like this. Let me... Start here, build my little incubator, get this going down here. And as an entrepreneur, I always, I always visualize my business growth charts and plans over a five-year period. So I always give myself, I look for my leases. If I'm going to buy the business or buy the property or do the lease, I look for a good 20-year lease. I look to set my lease up so I can grow. And that's what I did. And I opened up. And it's been a year now, and you know, I'm adapting, I'm tweaking the check prices, what the customer wants, and it's working, and people love it. And I see Georgia, it's beautiful, I love it there. Now my in-laws just bought a house there, my mother and father-in-law, they're moving full-time, they got their house in Flushing, Queens, for sale, they like the quality of life. Uh, you know, me being a Virgo again, I like clean and organized. I look at Georgia, the roads, the highways, is spotless. I like it. So it's sucking me in more and more I go there. And right. Uh, I uh, come from New you know, yeah, yeah. A lot of us got sucked in by the quality of life and and how comfortable it, it can be uh, here in uh, Georgia and, and in Atlanta. But um, Willie, one mistake that a lot of restaurant uh, tours, or for that matter, anyone who uh, starts up a retail business, is overlooking that ratio of uh, money making to the cost of the uh, uh, of the location so that when 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 people say location 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 if you don't look at location relative to the kind of business you expect to do when you're starting up in a in a, in a new environment uh, that can be a big mistake and so you were you were you were very smart in starting in Duluth because personally I think your formula now uh, or even from the beginning could have worked in Alpharetta or Johns Creek or Sandy Springs or uh, in Midtown Atlanta but you picked I think a smart location uh, and I think you've laid the groundwork so that you could uh, grow in this area 
But I want to talk about uh, a key aspect. You talk about Willie's Army and your field generals. In this case, uh, you've got um, Brian Longacre and your chef, um, Mitch uh, Hammond. Uh, Tell us about how you came across uh, those guys. Let me just say one thing, Ron. I just always wanted to tell you, too. It's very easy to go and pay rent and put a restaurant in one of the busiest locations in the world, right? That's not hard to do. It's not challenging. But the one thing about that is when you go do that, a lot of times everything to run the business is so expensive, you got to cut. And where do you cut? You cut in the quality of the food. You cut in the quality of the service. How many people are working there? So I always tend to say, hey, I want less set expenses. Let me over-deliver in the food. Let me over-enhance the service. Let me build a really cool atmosphere so when the customer does come, we'll change his habits, we'll educate him on our brand, and we'll win him over. Well, you certainly did that in Duluth. So that's that part. Now when you talk about building my army, who my sergeant, who my lieutenants are. So when I look at a building and an investment building a restaurant, you've got to break it up into zones. So you have the front of the house. Now, the front of the house is your service staff. You have the bar in the front of the house. You have the hostess in the front of the house. You have your GM, your floor manager, your assistant managers, who's handling the wine and beverage. And then you have your wait staff. So in every store, you have to try and get a good general manager. That's a guy who's more your business partner. He oversees, looks at everything. He's hiring. He's more of the owner worker mentality he's virtually done everything in the industry so he's respected in all areas and you got to find that guy who's the right fit to run your business with you because he's your face he's a part of your brand and you got to be able to shape and mold him to run your system your place and make sure he's executing but bringing his personality his years of experience and knowledge I then think you have your chef. Go ahead, Don. No, no, I was going to say I think you certainly did that with uh, Brian Longacre, but go ahead and tell us some more about uh, Mitch Hammond, your chef. Yeah, so now then you have the back of the house. Now, the back of the house, you have your chef. Now, your chef, he's got to deal with the kitchen staff. He's got the dishwashers, the line cooks, the broiler, the saute, the prep, the pantry, the desserts, right? So what kind of chef you're going to hire? Now... I've had a thousand chefs, cooks work for me. Now, a lot of times, one guy can do one thing extremely well. So you have to build around your chef. Is your chef more a foodie? Is he hands-on cooking, creating, and loves it? That's what we got in Mitch Hammond. So when I was putting the store together, I hired sous chefs, I hired chefs, and I wanted to see who was going to want this kitchen, who was going to feed off my passion for the food, who was going to live it, love it, understand it. And then Mitch rise to the occasion. I wound up firing all the people around him, working with Mitch, Mitch building an army within himself. One of my key guys in that kitchen as well is Wilfredo. He worked for me in New York in my Bayside original store for almost 10 years. And he moved to Georgia two years before I opened, 
and he was in the construction business, and I reached out to him, and I said, well, Fredo, are you down here? And he's like, yeah, Poppy, what's up, boss man? I said, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing insulation. I said, oh, that's itchy. <laughs> I said, I'm opening a restaurant. He said, when? I said, in a week. He said, I'll be there tomorrow. You so, know, you, you know that. No, you've done a great job, uh, Willie. You uh, actually you you named three very key uh, uh, field sergeants, uh, lieutenants, uh, whatever you rank you want to uh, put them at. Uh, but 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 Brian, who I didn't uh, get a chance to really have a conversation with, seemed like a very professional guy, and uh, you speak highly of his experience. I know that uh, Mitch Hammond is really a passionate guy, and then if you add Refredo, you've got uh, three very key people uh, in the restaurant. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Willie, I want to touch on some incredible menu uh, uh, items that you can tell us a little bit about. We won't go into every one, but you definitely have some munchies and uh, cured meats, steak burgers, sandwiches, uh, USDA choice steaks and chops, and you, you have something you call your scratch plates, and you have uh, what you call sharing sides, and then you have something for people with a sweet tooth. So I want to touch on a few of those, Willie. Uh, because really that's uh, at the core, along with all the other great things that you do, uh, attention to detail-wise, uh, the menu is something special. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, Willie's going to tell us a little bit about the menu. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Willie Daigle, the restaurateur that was highly successful in the New York area and still is, but he chose to bring his Uncle Jack's Meat House concept down to Duluth, Georgia, and uh, I'd say you could probably uh, look for uh, locations uh, in other parts of Atlanta or Georgia or the South 
or for where, wherever the hell Jack wants to, uh, or rather Willie wants to open up his restaurants, because I think it's a concept that will work in every major market in, in the U.S. Now, Willie, I did say we were going to talk about the um, the menu, but you were involved with the Food Network, and I wanted to touch on that just before we talk about the menu. You were on the Food Network's restaurant steakhouse, and, and you were actually uh, offering uh, helpful advice to restaurateurs and in, in helping them identify their strengths and weaknesses. And So tell us, what are some of the, the big mistakes, the common mistakes that uh, restaurant owners make? Lack of leadership, shouldn't be in the business, take families and friends' money, have no clue of what they're doing, uh, run things as, oh, everybody's our friend. You know, the restaurant business is not a trust business. You know, people want to come to work. They need to be led. They need to be motivated. They want to make money, right? Right. So everybody's got to make money. Your staff's got to make money first. So you got to set them up for success. You gotta hold them accountable. You gotta drive and motivate them. Even a great team who makes money still needs boundaries, rules, regulations, right? They need, you know, real leadership. Absolutely. And, and did you, did you enjoy that experience with uh, the, that Food Network program? I loved it. I put my heart and soul into it for three years. I filmed almost 75 episodes. So I, you know, my show has helped in the industry. It's helped thousands and thousands and thousands of small business, not just restaurant people. It's aired over 30 countries all over the world, and it's still selling, it's still airing, and we have such a huge response from it. <clears throat> How many people look forward to it? How many people love the energy, love the passion? How I would take a team and I didn't just go in there to make TV and look to fire everyone. I would try to restructure them, find what they did well, put them in the right path, teach them, show them, motivate them, and put them on a mission to win. And ultimately, the guests would get the greatest experience, and they would all do better. Here, here's another thing right before we get to that menu. Uh, a lot of uh, restaurants, you, you wouldn't see them. Uh, you might hear them talk about organic or sustainable, uh, but you wouldn't hear them talk about organic, sustainable, and humane uh, and, and post it on actually uh, a lot of their uh, their signage and, and as a part of their logo. So, Willie, tell us about organic, sustainable, and humane. Well, you know, you want to educate yourself. People say, oh, what's organic? Organic is something that's basically, there's no hormones, steroids, or antibiotics. Now, the word antibiotic in America is a tremendous word. They'll utilize that in the food industry to mislead us. In antibiotics, there's hormones and steroids, and it was pumped into the food industry for years. And we were like guinea pigs. We didn't know it. So they were hormone-loading all the food. And then we would eat it, and then we got hormone food loaded. And that's where a lot of cancer, disease, obesity comes from. So knowing organic product, making sure who's raising the chickens, the pigs, the steers, whatever you're purchasing, how they handle it, how they're doing DNA testing, how they're making sure there's no disease in the genetics. These are important things. Then how the animals are cared for, how they're fed, how they live and what kind of environment they're in while they're being raised, 
right? Then how they're slaughtered in a proper way, even though they're being slaughtered, what type of way they're being slaughtered. So the meat isn't shocked, then it's not tough and it's a better quality. So it's, it's all different levels. Then you have all your organic produce. What does that mean? Well, there's no fertilizers, pesticides used, how long they've not been in the soil, no chemicals, things of this nature, Ron. Well, now, Willie, you uh, probably had a lot of people um, uh, watering their mouths when you were talking about your French dip sandwich up in uh, New York, but uh, I want to turn to some of the items on this uh, Duluth menu, and you can you can tell us whether or not these are all also available uh, up north. But one premier uh, item under your munchie category is the applewood smoked bacon with uh, with homemade peanut butter and chipotle maple glaze uh, available yep. for uh, f- as a condiment. Uh, the uh, the bacon is thick uh, and it's almost a cross between uh, a ham and a, and a bacon. Tell us a little bit about that uh, that munchie. Well, the bacon we use is the Newski's Applewood Smoked Bacon. I tried 100 bacons, Newski's legendary family for what they do, smoking that bacon. Then when we were making the bacon, we wanted to see what we could do to enhance this great bacon and wow people. So we did like a maple syrup. Where are we getting the maple syrup? We're getting it delivered directly to the restaurants from Vermont. Small guys, got a maple syrup farm. Again, we know him. I want to know how he's doing it. We want to get first press. We want a darker, better, higher quality, grade A maple syrup. Then we have the chipotle spice because I love it. When you get a little fat, you get a little bacon, you get a little crunch, you get a little sweetness, you get a little spice. So then the way it's presented on that cool bacon rack hanging dripping then we make a house-made peanut butter to give you that creamy peanut buttery fat flavor and then again you had the maple syrup to dip in so we oven roast the bacon slow steady in a convection oven and we're glazing it and brushing it while it's cooking we take it in and out so it's a labor of love our bacon so the how to bacon so first it's the pig itself How's he raised, what Nooski, where they're getting their pigs, then what Nooski does to the bacon, then what Willie does to the bacon, then what the maple syrup guy's doing to his maple syrup. What's gone on into that item, it's a labor of love by generations of families and experts. And then I'm just presenting it to you in a cool environment, hanging on the bacon rack. So- because when you come there, I want to bacon you crazy. Yeah, well, I was baking crazy. Um, uh, that that rack uh, with those uh, thick slabs of bacon, uh, you know, it's uh, really uh, a mind-bending uh, bacon uh, nirvana, we'll call it. You also have uh, uh, Long Island duck meatballs, and you have Maine lobster and avocado mini tacos. How did you uh, decide to add that to the the menu, the Maine lobster and avocado mini tacos? Well, you know, we're a New York brand. Right? So in New York, we love our lobster. You're in Georgia. You, your seafood is, you know, it's, it's a little different. So we love our main lobster here. So I love lobster. I love little mini tacos. We take the taro root. We slice it. We fold it. We fry them fresh. We make miniature. I made that lobster tree out of steel. So everything's about that creaminess, the flavor, the little cilantro, the little wasabi in the mayo. So you get a little spice. You're getting the fat. You're getting that fresh cilantro on the microgreens, the crunchy taro root, the visual experience. I always wanted to make it cool. I believe, you know, today taking selfies and pictures and all the way you play things is so important. 
you have uh, you have uh, uh, lamb lovers uh, like me, and so uh, and you're probably introducing a lot of people to lamb chops uh, with your New Zealand lollipop lamb chops that have a uh, Dijon mustard, uh, rosemary panko crusting, uh, and au jus. Uh, how did you come up with that? You know, Ron, it was funny because, you know, I ate with you and you kept going and you were polishing off everything. And I said, wow, I can't believe you can finish this stuff. So those lollipop lamb chops are a signature item here in Uncle Jack's Steakhouse. So I was on Easter, I was making lamb. I didn't love lamb. It was a little too gamey for me. So I took my lamb. I pan seared it in a pan quick. I took a little mustard and I made this breadcrumb and then I oven roasted them to finish them off. So I loved the bone, the meat. We didn't clean it too much. We didn't over-French the bone. We just took the fat cap off, and we left a lot of the scraps because that caramelizes nicely in the oven. And then I finished it with a little of its own gravy from the sheet pan, scratched it off. And everybody was blown away by them. And my sister-in-law, Carmen, you know, Dr. Every Carmen Deagle, she hates lamb. And I said, no, you got to try this. No way. I hate lamb. I hate lamb. Well, now all she only eats when she comes to Uncle Jack, she don't eat the steak no more. She gets 20 lollipop lamb chops. And, and for... And in, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Finish that. And in, this, in, in, Queen, in Bayside, Queens, we have a huge Greek following. And the Greeks love lamb, and they believe they make lamb better than anyone in the world. <laughs> so when they came here, all the Greeks fell in love with my lamb. So I said, ooh, I got a home run. When you know the Greeks are eating your lamb and loving your lamb, you did something right. Well, you know, Willie, uh, unfortunately, we've uh, come toward the end of the program, but I do want to add uh, very quickly that if a person uh, likes steak, uh, you've got uh, uh, New York strips, uh, center cut uh, filet mignon, the 35-day dry uh, rib chop. You've got... uh, uh, Cured meats. You've got the age Hamon Iberica de Beluta and the 18 month uh, uh, age Serrano hams. You've got a steak burgers, the Ui Gui Mui burger, the truffle uh, with truffle mushroom and Swiss, and you've got the smoker and the sugar loaf. And also, you've got a sloppy jack, which is a combination of prime rib and ground pork. And and just an incredible uh, array. It's a unique menu. Uh, if someone uh, is a meat lover or not, because you have enough stuff on the menu in different sections that you could be a vegetarian and, and have a really good meal. And so, Willie, I think you've put together a winning formula. And my personal experience, uh, as I said to you, uh, was like uh, uh, a meat euphoria. Uh, so thanks uh, for creating uh, the restaurant, Willie. Thank you, Ron. No problem. You know, Ron, to me, a burger is just as important as a great steak. So the blend of the burger with the short rib, the brisket, the chuck, the amount of fat and how we cook the burger, it's cooked on a griddle. It's not put in a broiler. It's finished off in a broiler, but cooked in its own fat and juices. And then you talked about the other items, the steak, the high hand-picked, more marble choice, wet and dry aged. And then the chef brings in some sick prime cuts that we ship down from New York 
because we age all our own meat in all the restaurants. And we send it right to him. He rotates it in. Yeah, that's testimony to your attention to detail on all of your food items. Willie, I really want to thank you for taking the time uh, for coming on to the Business Hour. You've been listening to America's Web Radio. The Business Hour is on Fridays from 10 to 11. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio and the Internet next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.